This is Books, Beats, and Beyond, where we will bring you provocative music and engaging interviews from music artists, authors, historians, and others barely acknowledged by the mainstream media. I'll be your host, Taj. Jay Ivey is a Grammy, Peabody, Clio, NAACP Image Award-winning poet and spoken word artist. He is a seasoned performer. He has been on Russell Simmons' HBO Deaf Poetry three times and was the powerful poet on the song Never Let Me Down with Kanye West and Jay-Z. Jay Ivey has also performed poetry for NBA Hall of Fame legend Michael Jordan, and performed at events for Deepak Chopra. He co-starred and narrated BET's award-winning film, Muhammad Ali, The People's Champ, and collaborated with artists like Estelle, Marsha Ambrosius, Slum Village, and John Legend. He has also shared the stage with the likes of Prince, Dougie Fresh, Jim Carrey, Erica Badu, Jill Scott, Most Def, Talib Kweli, Common, Lauren Hill, Dave Chappelle, and many more. He is also an author of two books, the first one called Here I Am, Then and Now, and the second one, which we will be talking about today, is called Dear Father, Breaking the Cycle of Pain. Please welcome Jay Ivey. What's up, my brother? Hey, what's going on, man? We uh, really appreciate you um, coming on the show, and we're because we just see you as one positive brother, that um, we need to see more of you, and you just have something that is just incredible. This book, um, Dear Father, Breaking the Cycle of Pain, we're going to go a little in-depth with the book. So before we do, can you briefly explain the title? Yeah, so Dear Father is is, uh, titled after a poem that I wrote called Dear Father, and and the poem was... was, uh, it's just centered around the power of forgiveness. It's centered around uh, me being at a, a crossroads where I was carrying a lot of depression and pain. And it got to the point where I was I was tired of it. And, and my poetry was the, the, the vehicle. It was the tool that I used to, to get me through that. So the subtitle, Breaking the Cycle of Pain, is... is, is um, is is just that it's self-explanatory you know it's it's uh you know it was this this cycle that was passed from generation to generation and i didn't want to continue that so you know it it came time to use this poetry to break that cycle oh awesome well while i was reading the book you said something in there and just want to ask you you said you felt like you were not good enough for your father why did you feel that way I mean, he wasn't there, you know. So naturally, yeah, as uh, as human beings, we we look we look inward first. We we take the blame. Uh, we blame ourselves for whatever we're going through, even if we don't have understanding of the entire situation. Yeah. And and I didn't have understanding of it. I didn't know what was going on in in uh, grown folks' business at the time. I didn't know what was going on in his life. Uh, just on a personal level as far as what he was feeling. And, you know, when he wasn't there, um, when I didn't hear from him for years and, 
you know, you, I just naturally, you know, I, I, I took the blame and felt like, you know, it was my fault. And then that, that, that led to, to, um, uh, you know, a lot of self doubt, um, uh, a lack of value, worth, and, you know, you, you, you just think less of yourself mm-hmm. and, and, um, yeah, and that's that's where I was at for for a long time. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your father, more specifically, mm-hmm. talk about when he was in your life. What do you remember about him? Well, man, my pops he was he was a great man. He um he was a DJ, so I actually would would listen to him on the radio before I walked to school on the, in the mornings. And he was known for his voice, his style. He was known for uh, you know, just being uh, one who was good with words. He's, you know, a great storyteller. And, you know, he was a cool dude. You know, mm-hmm. he was cool. You know, like, I, I remember, you know, uh, you know, he always, he smoked squares, so he always had a pack of squares, and he always had his, you know, his, his little uh, old-style beard. You know, he worked on cars, and he built things, you know, like uh, like a model planes and cars had the big train set and you know basement full of records you know so he i mean he was a cool cool dude and and um he liked helping people you know but then then there was the the time where you know the alcohol and 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 drugs became a huge factor and and the mood shifted and it you know he went from this uh you know this this jovial guy to the just depressed and you know uh just uh, just out of it, you know, he just wasn't himself. Yeah. He, you know, he just he was just down in the dumps all the time. You know, the couch became his best friend, mm-hmm. and he was just lay up, and you know, it it just became very somber, you know. But yeah. but uh, but you know, but overall, you know, he was a he was a great person who dealt with a, a who was dealing with a lot of pain himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, what were some of those pivotal moments that changed the family dynamics? Uh, I think part of uh, well, one of the, the biggest parts was him losing his radio job. Mm-hmm. You know that was that was his passion. You know he was he was one who was uh, you know he loved arts. You know so you know I would, I would find later on I would find um, pictures of him performing in plays and you know articles about his radio work. So him losing that, I think took a, a a huge blow because it was the station that he was on at the time was uh one of the, the most uh, it was the the most popular black station in Chicago. Wow. So you know it was it was he was climbing a ladder, you know, and he he landed on a on a huge station and for whatever reasons um he ended up losing his job. I think it may have been due to the drinking, I'm not sure, but uh him losing that job and 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 not pursuing his passion anymore was was probably the uh the biggest part of, of the shift that was occurring. Yeah. It seems like since your father was a DJ, music was a big part of you and your family's life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I mean even his brother his brother was a my uncle was um he was a music director at Mississippi Valley. Mm. And uh, they were the first black band to play at the White House, first oh, wow. black band uh, to march at the Macy Day Parade. Wow. Uh, that, uh, Mississippi Valley State is where, that's where uh, Jerry Rice went. Oh, right, so, yeah. Yeah, so so from what I hear, like my pops, you know, part of part of the success was my pops 
being in Chicago, Chicago, you know, Chicago, Detroit, New York, they get the, get the records first back right. in that day. You know, so he get the records first, and he send the records down. His brother in Mississippi and his brothers is master musicians, so he take the music, you know, write it all out, break it down, and then teach it to the band. And then the band was always, you know, a step ahead of the game when it came to the music, you know. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so you just said that you grew up in Chicago, Right. Correct. And how 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 did that influence who you are today, growing up in Chicago? Oh man, Chicago is everything. You know, it's it's, hmm. it's definitely who I am. You know, the way I talk, walk. You know, my my accent, my the way I dress, the way I think, mm-hmm. way you know, the way I uh, hustle and grind. And you know, it's, right. it's Chicago. It, it uh, you know, it 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 influences you in so many different ways. It's you know, it's a blue collar town, it's a hard working town. But then at the same time, you see all the struggle. You know, you see all the cats who, uh, you see the cats out. They, they go the street route because of the struggle. Right. Uh, you know, because of the hard times, because of the lack of jobs, because of, you know, the education system being what it is. You know, but then at the same time, you have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of love here. Um, it's, it's a lot of, I, I hate to say that it's hate, but it's, I think it's more so, um, you know, um, just, generations of of just hardship you know mm-hmm. and which you know it, it it causes you know these chips to grow and it causes um you know i think that i think there is some self-hate a lot of self-hate that it, that does exist but overall i think it's more love here than anything but the love gets distracted by you know folk just trying to make it trying to make a way trying right. to make a way for their kids right. You know, just trying to keep a keep a meal on their table and a roof over their head. Right. You know, but uh, Chicago definitely is is it's influenced me in in all ways. I mean, even the the, the culture, the, the creativity. You know, from you know the the from the other poets and comedians, the singers and MCs to the music, house music. You know, it's just mm-hmm. huge influence. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah, I, I can definitely. I mean, Chicago is a beautiful city. So much culture. I can definitely see how that can influence you. Albert Einstein stated, "I know not with what weapons World War Three will be fought, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones." It's a war going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war going on. Guard your home. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Soon we gon' have to pay for the air we get The whole world needs a therapist Cause we got issues, we got missus Ready to set it off, all bets are off They call me a bluff Now who's tough enough to watch their sons and daughters fry While their cities burn and their mothers and fathers die I swear don't wanna see God cry Don't ask God why We did this, I guess greed is bliss Cause we want the more We want the war, we want the power It's the final hour, the end of times The battle starts within, so I'm spending time Trying to get rid of these sins of mine I'm on record hollering at friends of mine For you and I, I'm praying Please take heed to what I'm saying Cause for so long we've ignored God's instructions With the weapons of mass destruction It's a war going on It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a It's a war going on 
doesn't want the who's next. Another child soldier clings to his last breath. Instead of army boots, he's rocking Timberlands. Not for teams, that's the jeans and a bubble goose. The block surrounded news cameras to tell the story. Cause the ghetto's just the occupied territory. Where rebel fighters still clash with government troops. Our views not in the news, you choose to call it the truth. But this is not Sudan or the Congo. This is Shot Town, Brooklyn, and you front row. Where cops are worse than the stick up kids. They beat them down, shoot them down, put they stick up kids. East Abdul Wima, just the words of a dreamer. Got you feeling like the aftermath of Katrina. How they calling you a refugee in your own land? A war going on, the truth is in your own mind. mind, mind, mind. It's a war going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war going on. Guard your home. Nobody say, say, I don't need IMAX to see that I'm living in Chirac. You see, it's a war outside and nobody's safe. It used to be overseas, now I see in your face. On your doorstep is where war is kept. The playground is the battleground. It's a real battle now. The cattle now is genetically modified. Whoever told you that the beef we eat don't matter, lie. You see, that's part of the strategy. The war ain't physical, it's about spirituality, which translates into ideology and foreign policy. They hand out orders while they battle over borders. Back home, they don't support us. They encourage mothers to abort us. Try to convince them that they can't afford us. They call them in the National Guard, and they marching toward us. The intel says we're in hell, under spells, battling angels that fail. Planes flying in the building, strollers blowing up. The headlines filled with killings on boys in blue rolling up. A one-year-old baby girl got gonorrhea in the highs that growing up. More than ever, the devil's been showing up. Don't confuse it. You don't believe me? Huh. Man, you can hear it in the music. We at war. I was wondering, we talked a, a, a little bit about your father. We'll, we'll come back to him. But if you could talk a little bit about your mother and what were some of her most memorable memorable lessons. Yeah, well, mom's, man, my mother, she's a very strong, beautiful South Side girl. You know, she uh, mm-hmm. she she's retired now, but she was a, a registered nurse who worked in um, uh, Cook County Hospital, which is a um, – popular hospital in Chicago. Um, actually, the, the show ER is based on Cook County Hospital. Okay, she in there? Can we find her in the... <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, she, so she used to work there for years, and then she worked... Um, uh, she, was, uh, uh, she worked in dialysis mm-hmm. for years, you know, and, and me just, you know, going to work and seeing her deal with patients getting blood transfusions on a daily and, you know, her helping to keep people alive and her seeing, you know, people pass on, you know, she, she learned 
you know, there was a lot that she taught me just, you know, based on her job, based on her, her upbringing uh, from um, my grandfather, um, Mississippi guy who ended up in Chicago. And then my grandmother, she was, she was half white, you know, so she always um, related well to, to knowing how we, we all should coexist and all should love one another, mm-hmm. which was, which was a, a, a great dynamic to have because Chicago is very segregated. Oh. You know, so you, they, they actually refer to it as hyper segregation. Wow. What do you mean by that? Meaning that, that uh, you have segregated towns, but Chicago and Boston, which are considered hyper segregated, mean they're the most segregated cities in the nation. Mm-hmm. You know, so you will have uh, entire neighborhoods that are all black. When I was growing up on the South side, Everything was black from, wow. you know, neighbors, teachers, store owners, the mailman, uh, everything, you know, uh, uh, the only thing white you might see are, are the cops, you know, mm-hmm. and what, um, you know, it was just completely, completely black. And then you cross over uh, one avenue, you know, heading, uh, say you're heading east and then it's all white, you know, or you go in another section of the city and it's all Mexican and it's always all Lithuanian or it's all, you know, everybody's in their own bubble, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, growing up, you know, that could have an effect, you, you know, you'll, you'll have a narrow view of how the world is, you know, so, so my mother, she, she was always, uh, very strong on, on instilling love and just having love for one another despite of, you know, race or creed and, and um, that was something she always she always taught she always taught us to work hard, always taught us to you know go get it, always taught us you know you get educated. Um, those are just some of the things that she she just always saw that was that was a need, especially you know she had three you know three brown babies, yeah. three brown boys, you know yeah. so right. you know especially with that you know she knew that she had to uh, push us. Um, even harder, especially with not having, you know, a father present. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she wanted to just uh, uh, influence us in the best way she could, you know, so the streets wouldn't swallow us up. Right. So you you said you had, you had uh, two other brothers. Where, where do you fall in there? So I'm the middle. Yeah. I'm the middle. Yes. But and actually, you know, I always uh, refer to them. Those, those are the brothers that I know and love. But I actually had another brother who I never knew, mm-hmm. uh, who was my father's my father's uh, uh, other son. So I had another brother who was two years older than me, and he actually he was actually murdered wow. um, when he was about I think I was I was twelve thirteen, so he was about fourteen fifteen, somewhere around there. And um, but wow. still, still I'm still in the middle of, of everybody, you know. Wow. So. It seems like your mom and your dad were had great influence on you, love of music, love of helping people, but then your father fell down a spiral. Um, you say it, it, it could have because he lost your job and so forth. Did they? Did your mom and dad end up divorcing? And if so, yeah. did they? How did that affect you? Yeah, first, first they separated, and then they then they uh, divorced. And you know, at the time, you know, I was, I was young, so I, I didn't, I didn't know how it affected me when I was. Uh, let me see, when I was 
think the divorce was probably final when I was about 13, 14. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, at that time, I really didn't know how it affected me. You know, it wasn't until uh, years later, because we, we moved from uh, my mom's and my brother's, we moved from the south side to the south suburbs. Mm. And then um, uh, and then after high school, I went to Illinois State. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't until... Um, it wasn't until I was, you know, my early twenties when I, well, not even early twenties when I when I got to college is when it really started to hit me. So like eighteen, nineteen is when I really started to uh, reflect on the effects right. because and a big part of that was I was I was into poetry now. I was writing a lot. When did and, that you know, start? When did when did when did you start writing? Was did you start writing when you were uh, living in the city or when you started moving to this when you went to the suburbs? Was there what what was that point when you decided to start writing? I, I think I always wrote, but I was con- but I became conscious of it when we moved when we moved to the suburbs and had an English teacher named Ms. Argue. She gave us an English assignment to to write a poem, you know. Um, and I, I wasn't into writing poetry, so so I didn't think I was, mm-hmm. you know. And I went home, wrote a poem, came back the next day. She made she surprised everybody, made everybody read their poems in oh front of boy. the class, you know, so I had to read my poem to them, like, uh, you know, so then afterwards, she pulled me to the side, she gave me an A on the poem, and, oh. and she asked me to do a show, oh, and I wasn't trying to get on stage, I was very shy, right. and, um, which I, which I think is one of the effects, uh, I don't know if it's just my personality, or if I was, again, going back to that, just not feeling the worth and value, mm-hmm. you know, so I became very, you know, I was a huge introvert. Mm-hmm. So she, she pushed me to, to do a show. I didn't do this the first time she asked me, I didn't do it. And she came and uh, after I faked her out the first time, she made me do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next show she made me do. And the first time ever on stage, I got a standing ovation. And wow. from that moment, I was just, I fell in love with the idea of, of, of knowing that I had a voice and that people would actually listen to me. And, and you know, and it, was, it was just very moving, you know. And so from that point, you know, that's when I really started uh, paying attention. My eyes were open, mm-hmm. and I started writing, and I started uh, after, after that show. I'm like, Ms. Arden, when's the next show? When's the next show? <laughs> you know, right. I started doing all the shows. So then when I got to college, I was, you know, deeper into it. And I was doing a lot of shows around campus, and then I was I was really really starting to uh, I was writing even more because I grown my confidence had grown in my writing. Mm-hmm. I was more confident in performing than I was in writing. Oh, okay. uh, so when I got to college, that's when my confidence in my writing picked up. And the more that I would write, the more uh, these these poems would become uh, these mirrors of who I was. I was I was getting to know who I was, right. and the the, the deeper I would look, the more upset that I would get because a huge factor of who I was wasn't mm-hmm. in the picture, you know. So, so that was that was um, yeah, that was a, that was when I really started to feel the effects of of him not being there all those years, you right. know. Because even before they divorced, I didn't really I didn't see him, you know. Yeah. He stopped come, stopped coming around, you know. So it wasn't it, um, it wasn't it was ten years before I saw him again. Wow. Maybe maybe a little over ten before I saw him again.
we can't do. Our love is too strong. Our legacy is too long. No one can prevent us from fulfilling our dreams, no matter how hard it seems. We are miracles and blessings for everyone. We are the warmth and radiance from the sun. Do you remember that that time when you saw him again and what happened? Oh man, absolutely. I, that, it was first. It, it started with with a phone call. So he called me up out of the blue after I, I'd gone through um through this huge huge forgiveness period. You know, because my cousin, I, 
my cousin, my older cousin Julia. She was the, she's like you know one of the, the, the she's like the big mama of my generation, yeah. with, with our family. So she was the first one that I talked to about uh, about my father. At that time, only one. And then she, after talking to her, she was like, "You need to learn how to forgive." So I, you know, I wrestled with that thought for months and months and months, and then. Eventually, I decided, you know, I was at church performing at a, at a youth revival. And I was like, you know what? I do need to forgive. So I, I prayed to God. I was like, God, forgive my father. I just want to see him. I want to tell him. I want to tell him I, I miss him. I want to tell him I love him. You know, I was like, that's it. I'm not mad at him anymore. So this was on a Thursday. So two weeks later on a Thursday, my father called me out the blue. Wow. And it was beyond emotional. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was excited. I was just so happy to hear his voice, you know. And then, uh, Couple of days later, I went over. I went to his house to go see him, and it was. I mean, you talking about you know, heart in your stomach, and yeah, you know, right. like it was just. I, I mean, I was excited. I was scared. I was nervous. I was, you know, I was just. I just had all these different emotions. And then, and then you know, to finally see him, you know, I just, man, I just grabbed him. Like, man, I, I love you, you yeah. know. And and it was, it was uh, the prayer that I prayed came true, you know, and it was, it was just so amazing. I was just filled, filled with gratitude. You know, I just, I was just, it was, I just, I was just so grateful for the moment, you know, just to be able to see him, you know, even when he opened the door, you know, I was expecting to see this giant, you know, because last time I saw him, I was a little boy, you know, right. and then now here I am taller than him and he's older and, mm -hmm. you know, it was just, but I was just, I was extremely grateful to see him, you know, and, yeah. and then we sit down and we, we watched the football games, the Bears was on, we watched the Bears game and, and we talked and, you know, and it was just, it was just amazing, you know. Not, not seeing him for so long. I'm just trying to think about what would the conversation be like? There's so much to talk about. Do yeah, you, yeah. Do you remember anything? Man, you know what? I remember that it was, it was more just letting him know what I was doing. Mm -hmm more than anything, you know, after all that time, I didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. You know, maybe we did know what to say, but was scared to say certain things, mm -hmm. you know, so it was, it was more so just, just, um, I guess getting to know each other again, you know, and just, and, 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 and then, you know, there was, there were pockets of time where we didn't say anything. We just, we just sat there and we just watched the game, you know, but, um, and it still felt good though. It was. And it felt great. Right. You know, I'm, I'm watching the game with my pops. You know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was dope. It was the best. You know. And after that first visit, did you guys see each other often after that? No, no, and that's and that's that was one of my regrets later because we we didn't see each other much. We just weren't in the habit of relationship. Oh no, gotcha. So we didn't see each other much. Um, um, we 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 talked here and there. You know, and. And I wish I would have took advantage of the moment. I wish I would have just, like, boom, you know, grabbed my brother. It's like, yo, let's go to Pop's crib. Let's, you know, just call him, see how he's doing. You know, because a year and a half after that moment, he passed away. Oh, wow. I'm you know, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, man, thank you. But, um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you you expect to have all this time. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we time is probably the thing we take for granted the most. Right. You know, expect you know this person being here on the earth, been been a part of your entire life, and you don't just expect them to be gone forever, all of a sudden. Right. You know, so um, so it that was that was a that was a moment for me that that man, I just that's when I started to feel my own guilt. 
you know, and, and I started to get angry at myself and I got angry at him all over again. And I went, it was just this roller coaster of emotions. Right. And even one, one of the quotes in the book is if you don't deal with your emotions, one day your emotions going to deal with you. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and, and that for me, it was, it was, it was me starting all over with, with dealing with these emotions. And it was, it was deeper now because, you know, before there was always, you know, in the back of my mind, there was always a chance. You know, there was always a chance of me building with them, seeing them, talking to them, hanging out, you know. Um, but now, you know, those chances, at least in the physical sense, they would know more, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I went, I was going through it, and, and, and that's what eventually led me to um, writing the poem, Dear Father. Dear Father. That that poem, it is an amazing poem. Um, it if you feel like it, I mean, I think the audience would love to hear maybe a piece of it or the entirety. You know, as you start speaking, you might just get moved and keep going. Would you, would you mind sharing some of that? Oh, uh, yeah, not at all, not at all. I wish you could have seen me do my thing. I wish you could have been there the first time I sang. I wish you could have seen how your baby boy flow. I wish you could have seen me rock just one show. I wish you could have seen me do my thing. I wish you could have been there the first time I sang. I wish, I wish that you didn't have to go. I wish you could have seen me rock just one show, one show. Dear Dad, these words of me are written and spoken because my heart and soul feel broken. I lied to keep from crying, but I still haven't healed after all of the years of my goofiness and jokes. And you got me open, hoping this ill-feeling past won't last. I wear a mask, and my peace won't ask for the truth. Truthfully speaking, the truth hurts, but I'm beyond hurting. I'm in pain. Why does it hurt so much? I find myself fighting with myself every day to remain sane. My peeps think I changed, maybe tripping off my fame. But I'm still the same, still the same old James. I know it's a shame I don't come around as much, but I don't want them to see me acting strange. I don't want them to feel one drop my reins. I can't seem to get these feelings to stop. I can't get these thoughts off my brain. Now when I really need to reach out to your dad and touch your hand, I can't believe you're out of range. I'm starving for your love and I'm begging please ease the crave. When I was little, I thought you'd left because I wouldn't behave. Later on in life, I found out that it was a cane as well as other things. And with all the scars, it was hard, but I learned to forgive and forgave. I forgave for missing my basketball games and my and the touchdowns I scored the football games. I forgave you coming home high and drunk, wrestling with my mother, going insane. I forgave you missing all of my track meets and not being able to greet all the pretty girls that I wanted you to meet. I forgave you missing my birthdays and graduations and not being there when I needed advice for certain situations. I forgave despite the fights and tears for all the years lost, wondering if I was loved. Sometimes all I needed was a call and a hug. I mean, I understand that people break up and don't make up and some relationships don't last forever, but why weren't we together? Mom could have found new man but where was I go find new dad looking back I wish you would have begged me pleading my case cause I felt like I didn't matter like I was deleted in the race I would cry still cry so much I get headaches I try to get you off my mind but I can't get you off of my face I see you every time I see me and I can't do nothing but ask God to bless me expand my territory place his hands on me keep evil far away from me I asked him to protect me like I wanted you to protect me from the bullies and the police now to protect my soul I write poetry and release and some say my beast and I'm just trying to find peace so I can pick up the pieces of me that falling apart I shopped all over love and I ended up with a lot of good items in my cart that helped me pull out the dark and helped me up the dark one being my art but along the way 
All of my decisions weren't so smart because my love was amputated. My life became complicated. My family, but that I don't know if you knew or not, but but my sweet, sweet family became dysfunctional. I mean, I remember. I remember hiding under the dining room table when you and Ma would fight. I remember dishes, pots, and pans being put in flight. I remember the hole that you punched in the wall. I remember when Ma called us from work and told not to let you in, and you broke in, so I'm going to get y'all. I remember the alcohol and the smoke and going to the bathroom every five minutes so I wouldn't choke. I remember when you called me out the blue and told me I had a brother that died that I never knew. I remember you snatched my train wheels off my little orange bike and making me ride when I was only two. I remember when you pushed Ma, she broke broken ankle. I remember sitting there thinking, how could you do this such a beautiful angel? I remember my mom waking us up in the middle of the night saying, shh, Jimmy, be quiet. Put some clothes in a jewels bag. We going to grandma's. And if your father come to school, don't tell him what would be. I remember spending Christmas at grandma's playing with my stretch arms on, thinking, man, this ain't my house. I wonder how Santa Claus found me. I remember. I remember your stinky feet. I remember all that pepper that you put in those ghetto meals that you had fixed for us to eat. I remember listening to you on the radio before I would go to school. I remember all the cars and planes that you were making, all the kids on the block thought that my dad was so cool. I remember when you ran down the con, I was thinking, man, dance fast. I remember how you would curl your mustache. I remember the past. I remember the good and the bad. I remember thinking is this love false. I remember us moving to the birds and my boys replaced my love that was lost and they could make me laugh and giggle. My boy even taught me how to dribble so I could make the team and I did. I thought that I would die without you but Rome, Drake, Ike, Egg, and Todd made sure that I lived and was never sad. They even gave me their dads. Mr. Kent, Mr. Whitaker, Mr. Cross, and Mr. Price became my dads. My cool daddies. But the little boy Emmy still wants his daddy badly. I feel like a scared little boy afraid to become a man, but I think I'm ready. I think it's time. I think it's time to shine and get mine. I think it's time to shine and get mine so I can ease my mind, let my soul climb. I think it's time to stand as a man of my own too, just like you used to do before those demons started haunting you, because all I want to do is to make you and my proud, and I wonder if you are. I wonder if you know. I wonder if you know that God gave me a gift. I wonder if you know about the spears that I lift. I wonder if you know I touch people with my words. I wonder if you know I inspire actions with my verbs. I wonder if you know that your baby boy did a show that aired for me to see on HBO. And that hard New York crowd that I didn't even know actually gave me a standing no. I know you're proud. I know you are. Because I'm be the best just like you want to be. Watch and see. And just in case you can't, I'm going to scream it so loud that I shake the clouds and move them out the way of my sunshine. Because that's what you are, dear. James Ivy Richardson Sr. Do you hear me? You are my sunshine. That's why I forgave you. Because my love for you is still the same. It may go on through a transformation, but it never really changed. So I swear on my mama and on my name, I'm going to stop this rain. Conquer this pain. Make sure that you did not die in vain. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to jump in your arms. We go kick back like when I was little and watch the Bears game. I wish you could have seen me do my thing. I wish you could have been there the first time I sang. I wish you could have seen how your baby boy flow. I wish you could have seen me rock just one show. I wish you could have seen me do my thing. I wish you could have been there the first time I sang. I wish, I wish that you didn't have to go. I wish you could have seen me rock just one show, one show. Do you hear that? <laughs> Good luck. Man, that that poem right there, it's specific, but unfortunately, it's universal. A lot of kids go through that. Yeah, man. And I think that's that. I think that's what's so powerful about that poem. 
although you were expressing what happened to you, it's it's very easy to see how that affects other people. And I was wondering, what are what was some what are some of the most memorable feedback you get from your audience when you when you do that poem? Ah uh, man, it's it's been very very transformative. It's been amazing. I, I've uh, I found myself in a lot of conversations with a lot of people around the country after performing it or or online. You know, uh, people send me messages telling me what, uh, thinking about committing suicide and came across wow. this poem. And it caused them to, to, you know, take a step back from that, you know, a, a drastic action. You know, so, you know, when I get messages like that, when I'm able to uh, go out and speak and, and get feedback, um, positive feedback, is is nothing, is nothing more than amazing. And, and it shows me that, that um, one, it, one, it shows me the power of forgiveness, and two, it just it shows me how, how impactful uh, my father is still having on my life, you know how you know how big of an impact he's having on my life, but but others as well, you know and and you know I feel like you know even in in my father's passing we become so much closer spiritually, you know I feel so connected with him. I hear his voice, he speaks to me, you know and 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 you know part of you know me moving in this mission and on this mission with dear fathers is to help prevent um, hurt and pain, you know, for others, you know, we all will go through it, but if we can catch it sooner than later, you know, that's better than not catching it at all, you know? So I've been, been moving with it and, you know, I've done stuff like the Steve Harvey's mentoring camps, um, done that a couple of years and I go down and speak to, speak to the young men there. And, and, and then I'll have uh, not only there all over, but I have, have them write letters to their fathers. And that's part of what we're doing. We have this, this a letter writing campaign called Dear Father Letters, where we're using the book um to to inspire to inspire others to write letters to their fathers so they can uh find that healing and, and, and that compassion and that forgiveness so they can move forward in their lives with, you know, clarity and, and self worth and confidence. You know, and seeing the impact there, seeing it uh, here in Chicago, when I do stuff in you know in schools or or in New York or in Cali or wherever, you know it's man, it's it's uh it's moving, man. It's moving. It's humbling. It's beautiful. You know, it's powerful. You know, and and um man, I feel fortunate. Yeah. Wow. That that's 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 very that's incredible. I, you spoke about about a little bit about your dear father letters movement, um and. If you can go a little bit into that a little bit more, what's his mission and what's his goals, and what are you asking people to do? So the the mission is is one million letters written, one million hearts healed. So we're we're using using the book and and the letter writing campaign to again to inspire a million people to write letters. And I mean, ultimately, we're we're looking to inspire healing. We're looking to rebuild the family we're looking to reconnect fathers with their sons and their daughters and and even with the letter writing campaign we don't we don't want people to to think it's just for for young men there's a lot of there's a lot of young ladies out here hurting mm-hmm. and, and 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 not even young men you know it's this is for the old the young um you know 
it doesn't matter national nationality, doesn't matter gender, age. You know, this this is for, for for everyone to participate, and and we're asking people, you know, for for those, um, you know, we want we want to hear those stories. We want to hear the, the good as well, you know. I know there's going to be bad and ugly, but we also want to hear the good stories too, because the yeah, good stories inspire people you know i want to hear I'm, you know i'm inspired to see um just like i was inspired to see um my 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 boys my best friends fathers in their lives and raising them and teaching them and then you know they had a uh the the compassion and the heart to you know teach me things as well and 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 pull me along you know you, people are inspired by that you know yeah. so we need to hear the, the good stories too you know so so the next generation of uh will be inspired to not repeat that cycle. You know, that's the thing, you know, some people, they feel like, well, I went through it, so I'm not going to raise mine up. That's, that's a, that's not a, a, that's a very selfish way to look at things, you know, and, and got to think about the the pain, the same pain you felt. You don't want to cause that, you know, you don't want to put that on somebody else, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, so that's where we at. And and people can check it out on uh, Dear Father Letters, dot com is a website where people can can submit letters if they don't want to submit their letters they we have a registry where they can let people know that uh where they can let us know that they've written letter um and they they want to be a part of the movement but you know they might not want to share they might not be able to share you know a lot of people you know it might be some legal legalities mm-hmm. involved it might be you know you don't want to expose the family or whatever right. it is but you know, you just want to get it out for yourself, and and um, just ask that people, you know, be involved one way or the other. You know. Yeah, that's 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 commendable, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank, and, thank you. In regards to that, you said it helps reconnect. You're trying to reconnect people. Has are there any stories or any letters that they someone's told you, hey, after writing this letter, I've reconnected with my father and so forth? Has anything happened like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we we have friends, um, um, as well as people that that we we meet for the first time, and and it might be in the moment where they'll let us know that, uh, man, I'm you know I'm like man, I'm about to go call my son right now. I'm about to go call my father because a lot of times you know the the the, the child waits for the leadership of the parent, but sometimes mm-hmm. the child has to be the leader in the in the situation and reach out. It's true, true. You know, because you know people are people. You know. Just because they came before you don't mean that you know they they're not a person with feelings and emotions you know That's so right. sometimes we need to uh, you know be the leader in the situation and um uh, but there have been people that have told us that they they've reconnected with their fathers and and it's been amazing or wow. it's been it's been been challenging or it's been hard but they're doing it and and um you know we we had uh, like one of our friends connected with her father uh not too long ago and then shortly after they passed away oh. you know you know so it's a lot of situations like that situations where um uh recently uh, um met a met a couple when I performed the poem and, and the guy he was like you know what he's like it's so funny that you perform this he's like I haven't spoken to my father in 20 years and today is his birthday I'm going to call him wow you know so you know we we run into stories like that a lot and it is is very inspiring and uh and, and motivation to keep going and keep spreading the word that's incredible man that's incredible yeah. Yeah. you know 
it's true that the road has been hard. But when I stop and take time to listen to that inner voice, I get the strangest feeling. I got a feeling that everything, everything is going to be all right. I want to get back to 
uh, the, the Dear Father poem you read, you said something about HBO. Now, and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if most of the people in the audience know that you've been on Russell Simmons' HBO Deaf Poetry three times. How did that mm-hmm. happen? If you could talk about that experience. Yeah, man. That, like Deaf Poetry was, it was amazing, man. I was I had the opportunity to be on the, uh, I was on the first, the very first season. I was on the fourth and the fifth season. And mm-hmm. the first season, that was, um, man, I don't know, we got enough time for the whole story, but in, in a nutshell, they were doing competitions around the country to see who would end up on the show. And when they had a competition, the the, comp- the poetry competition in Chicago, I was in I was in Nashville and I didn't know anything about it. And I was, so after the fact, I get all these calls about Mad Jay, where were you at? You should have been in town, <laughs> da, da, da. you know, because I had moved. I moved out of town mm-hmm. for a little bit, so I was upset. I was beating myself up. Um, but then at the same time, I had linked up with. Uh, through through my uh, manager at the time, I linked up with some folk in L.A. and I performed at this barbecue later on. And then uh, the barbecue that I performed at, I get a call like, man, uh, my father, he was at the barbecue, saw you perform. And he's best friends with Stan Lathan, who's oh, the director wow. of the show. And he told him all about you. And he wants to see you perform. And then, I'm, you know, so I'm blown away. Now I'm like, man, I got to get to L.A. and get a show. I'm like, well, how much time do I have? It was like, you got four weeks to get, you know, you got to get back out here because he's leaving town in a month. I'm like, man, how am I going to get to, I'm broke. I'm right. like, I'm going to get to L.A. And, and get a show and do all this, you know. So, you know, uh, you know, you know, God go work it. So the next, the very next day I get a call from this guy like, man, Jay, um, doing this show in LA, I really want to put you on it. He's like, it's not paying a lot of money, but I'll I fly you out here, put you in a hotel. I was like, when is it? He's like, it's in three weeks. I'm like, come on, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I go do the show and, um, you know, they, they invited Stan out. I didn't think he was going to show up, but he, he showed up. And, um, man, next thing I know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm heading to New York, you know, to do this show. And that was, you know, at the time, you know, that was like, for a poet, that was like going to the Olympics. Yeah, you know, that, like that was that was that was it. You know, that was the biggest stage, the biggest platform. Um, you know, it's on Broadway. It was a packed house, and 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 you know that millions of people are going to see it absolutely. after this packed this packed house season. You know, it, it was a, it was absolutely amazing. The whole the the whole moment from from when I got there, from when I left. You know, and then to get invited back to to do it two more seasons was was amazing you know so i actually had the opportunity to do dear father on the show and then i did uh i did never let me down on the show and uh the first season i did i need to write from chicago J.I. i need to write i need to sit my black narrow ass down and write yeah, the hustle got me hustling, but I'm muscling myself out of time for me. Well, what about me, I ask? What about the stories that I need to tell? I need to write. Because can't nobody do it for me. Can't nobody document my inspirations the way I can. Can't nobody compliment my aspirations the way I can. Only I can. Only I can. Only I can. Only I can. So I need to write. 
I need to gather up some words and write. I need to gather up some thoughts and write. I need to write because I'm tired of the same old pieces. I know y'all tired of hearing the same old pieces because the same old pieces got the same old problems. But I got new problems, more problems. Problems have changed. Problems have rearranged. This homeless cat asked me for some money but got mad at me because I ain't got no spare change. I need to write. Me and my girl been arguing. I need to write. My boy told me that I need to take it to the next level, so I need to write. My pops died, and it's hard dealing with it. I need to write. I know y'all can't wait for the book. I need to write. I need to write. I need to write. They done stole my hoopty. I need to write. The cop said I fit the description. I need to write. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. You mean to tell me that my wallet look like a gun? I need to write. My little brother got mugged by some grown thug. I need to write. You talking about being behind my back? I need to write. I ain't got it no more. I need to write. My ex tried to fuck my boy. I need to write. The weather been acting awfully funny. I need to write. It's time to take Jesus off that cross. I need to write. Cops killing brothers. Cops killing sisters. Free Mamiya. I need to write. Wait, wait, wait. You gonna kick off World War III and possibly draft me? I need to write. Also, I'm gay because I don't want to fuck you. I need to write. They was taking good care of that little Cuban boy. What about the shorties in the projects? I need to write. You saying I'm bogus because I didn't come to your event because I was tired? I need to write. I distinctly remember asking for six wings of mild sauce. Why is it only half four? I need to write. I think about writing in third person because the first is hurting. Life is a job and the verse is working. My soul is rehearsing for when the Lord pulls the curtain. Words are words, so maybe it's your actions that's doing the cursing. I need to write. Just yesterday, it was illegal for me to write. <laughs> I'm appearing that. I need to write. And that was amazing. You know, you got, I mean, tens and thousands mm -hmm. of people trying to get on this show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first season, the first season was four episodes. And wow. it was, I, I think okay. it was 12 poets on each show. Each show. Um, and a few of the people that got selected didn't make the, the final cut, mm -hmm. you know. So you say out of tens and thousands of people that was trying to get on the show, about 48, 49 people made it on the show. Man. You know, and, and I was one of those, you know, and it, that was, it was just. That's incredible. You know, yeah, man, it was amazing. I'm sitting here in this room like, damn, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> it was crazy. You know, I'm on the show with Dave Chappelle, Lauryn Hill. You know, I'm running wow. Dave Chappelle later on. He was like, man, I remember you. You was my favorite poet. I'm like, this dude don't remember me. He's like, yeah, you did that poem. I need to write. Right. You know, so every time I, up to up till now, every time I see Dave Chappelle, he's like, I need to write. Like, That's crazy. <laughs> so... So based on all of that, like you said, millions of people watching the show, when did you realize that you were a star? Ah oh, man, I'm still trying to realize that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I never, I've never, I've never viewed it that way, you know. And I, I I've seen people. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think that's just it's not my personality. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see people do things, and and they, they'll do a little and and you know, by the way they act and, and move, you know, they, you know, they on top of the world as far as, as you know, you let, let them tell it. Me, I'm just, I don't know, man, I just want to, I want to have positive effect. I want to keep moving. Definitely want to uh, create some, some beautiful works of art, you know, that, um, that, that'll move and inspire people, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident, you know what I mean? I'm confident right. what I, what I do, but, but I, uh, you know, if somebody else says that, cool, man. I'll take it, man. I appreciate the love, you know what I mean? But I'm not the one to, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a star. Look at me that day. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that, you know, I think that's a good thing. Humility takes will take you far, you know. And, 
and you writing poetry that's touching so many people that that takes humility um yeah. you you also uh said that you performed the uh poem never let me down and um for the audience that doesn't know uh that was on Kanye West's first album the college dropout with you Kanye West and Jay-Z how how did that come about man so um so I, after I did deaf poetry I moved to New York and um you know I was just looking for more opportunity you know because what, what deaf poetry did show me was like okay people were paying attention and I knew that in Chicago you know I made a name for myself in Chicago and and um I was I was doing well, you know, if I if I threw a show people would come out, you know, I was doing stuff on the radio and then the next step was deaf poetry and like, okay, more people are paying attention, it's opening more doors. Now I'm getting calls to go here and you know, this booking, that booking. So um I was looking to explore more opportunities. So moved to New York, moved to Brooklyn and one of my guys is his name's Cootie. Now, Cootie a lot of people know Cootie's work. Um uh, Cootie and, and and another buddy of ours is named Chike. They direct together. So Cootie and Chike, they have a company called Creative Control. They've done like uh, like Erica Badu's window seat video, oh, okay. and, and uh, they actually they directed the uh, the Muhammad Ali documentary that I was in. Right, right. Uh, um, uh, they done a thirty for thirty film. They did a thirty mm-hmm. for thirty film called Benji. So the first video that they actually did together was through the wire. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Kanye's through the wire. So, you know, I was there for all of that, you know, there helping. I'm in the edit room with him, and we was moving around. And, you know, I was there for, for all that. But Cootie, he, he shot everything in through the wire. So wow. every that's him on the camera. So Kanye in the studio, getting his Rockefeller chain mm. at the mall. That's all Cootie. So Cootie's my running buddy. We, when I moved to New York, we kicking it every day. So I'm, you know, kicking it with Kanye and kicking it with everybody. And it was a Chicago crew in New York. Cootie's from Chicago too, so you know we was a Chicago crew in New York. So um, Kanye, he went to LA to work on on the college dropout after he got his deal, and you know about a, uh, and that's when he got to the car accident. So he flies Cootie to LA like, yo, he's like, I need you out here. I was in the car when he called Cootie like, man, uh, I need you out here in LA, and Cootie like, yo, this dude ain't supposed to be talking right now he's rapping right now he, he oh, on the wow. phone he's on the phone rapping through the wire he's like yo like he's supposed <laughs> to be talking and he rapping you know so he flies cootie out so cootie calling me every day like man jay is crazy and like you need to get to la it's crazy out here he call me up the next day man jay we was just a jamie fox crib him and wow. him and kanye, him and kanye did the song called slow jams i got it all on tape yeah. you need to get out here so the next day is saturday and and i'm like man i wanted to go out kicking in new york I, like I said, I was broke. I ain't had two dollars to get on the train. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, man? I need to be writing. I got food in the crib. I'm just chill out, put some music on, and I'm a write. So I'm writing. By eleven o'clock, Cootie called me up. He was like, Jay. He's like, man, you need to get to L.A. right now. I'm like, what's up? He's like, man, Kanye got this song with him and Jay Z on it, and he want to put a poet on it. And I told him he need to put Jay Ivy on it. I'm like, man, dog, stop playing. Yeah. I'm like, gee, I'm like, that ain't funny, man. He's like, dog, dog. He's like, you need to get out here right now. So. So I'm like, oh, you for real? So he played a song for me over the phone, and I really couldn't hear the words. So he's telling me what Jay-Z was saying, his verse, saying the hook, telling me what Kanye saying in his verse, saying the hook. He's like, Jay, get out of here. I was like, yo, 
I said, I'm going to find a way. So I hung up the phone. My very first thought was, man, you need to write something right now. Wow. So I turned to a blank page. I wrote the date down. I wrote the title, Never Let Me Down. Then I wrote one line, and my mind went completely blank. Mm. So I started banging on the page. I was like, God, I need a piece right now. Please give me one right now. I put my hand back to the page, and my hand just started moving and writing mm. and writing and writing and writing. I wrote a full page, turned the page up, wrote a few more lines. And I stopped. I read over the piece. I was like, man, this kind of hot. So I read over it like four or five times. I called Cootie back in 10 minutes. Like, dog, listen to this. So I spit the poem from over the phone. He like, oh, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, hold on, Jay, hold on. So he go in the other room, music loud, people loud. Then the music goes down and people get quiet. He's like, Jay, I'm put you on speakerphone. Spit the piece again. So I spit the piece like I had done it a million times. You know, about the highest, on the highest risk, you know. And then when I finished, the room exploded. Everybody like, oh, man, oh, <laughs> I'm in Brooklyn broke by myself. Like, what's up? What's up? You know, somebody tell me something, you know, and then I hear Kanye. Kanye like, man, Jay, spit it again. So I spit it again. Spit it again. I spit it again. Spit it again. I spit it again. I did a joint for like a half hour. Wow. And then, you know, I just did it over and over and over again. And then Cootie, he finally got back on the phone. He was like, Jay, he was like, guess what? I'm like, what? He was like, Kanye flying you out here tomorrow. Wow. I was like, man, I was like, I found my way. Yeah, you sure did. Found my way. You know, so I go out there, man, that whole that whole moment was amazing because, you know, this is when Jay-Z was retiring, mm. you know, so to have the opportunity to be on one of the hip-hop's greats, yeah. you know, one, one of the hip-hop, one of, one of the legends, and, and knowing where Kanye was going, we all knew where he was about to go. Mm-hmm. Like, it was incredible, and, I, you know, I record, and I'm like, it was just amazing. So, look, later on that night, he was like, man, we listened to a song a million times, and he was like, man, you heard this singer named John Stevens? I was like, yeah, I've been hearing about him in, in New York. He's like, man, let me play this song. So he plays me this song. I'm like, man, that's crazy. So an hour later, John Stevens comes in the studio. I was like, what's up, man? I'm Jay Ivy, poet from Chicago. I was like, I heard your music, man. I was like, it's amazing. I was like, it sounded like that music from the old school. I was like, man, it sounded like that music my folks used to listen to. I was like, dog. I was like, you sound like one of the legends. I was like, you a legend. You a legend. I said, matter of fact, that's what I'm going to call you from now on. I'm going to call you the legend. So I started calling him John the Legend. John the Legend. So a couple of days. A couple of days later, we still in the, in the studio, and we in the lounge, 10, 12 of us in the lounge, me, Cootie, Kanye, Tari Ture, John Monopoly, Don C, a couple wow. other folk. We all in the, in the lounge, in walks John Stevens, everybody shouting him out, John Stevens in the building, John Stevens in the house. And I was like, John Legend. And everybody looked at me, and they looked back at him, and they was like, oh, man. <laughs> and Kanye was the main one. He was like, oh, man, you John Legend from now on. So that's, so that's how he got the names. Wow, that's that's incredible. <laughs> man, so you, you said when you got that call, and, they were trying to, and Kanye wanted to bring you out, you stopped everything and started writing instead of finding a way to get there. Wow. What did you learn in that moment? about trusting your 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 instincts man that shoot that was one of that was one of the biggest lessons is to you know always always trust always trust your instinct trust your gut don't wait you know a lot of times we wait and you know because in that in that moment i could have i could have um tried to figure out how to you know, get money to get a ticket, maybe call mom, like, mom, man, I got this opportunity, and then maybe fly out. But then who knows if that energy would have struck me the way it did in that right. moment, you know. Right. So I, I always, you know, I, I definitely learned that you have to 
especially when it's when it comes to creativity, mm-hmm. you have to take advantage of the moment. When that energy is calling you, you have to answer it. You know, you can because there have been a lot of moments where I've had amazing ideas and I jot the idea down. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna come back to it, mm-hmm. and I come back to it, and it's you know I, I'm not feeling it. That's right. You know, but when you when you capture it, when you capture that energy, you know, it's like you know capturing that. You know that that genie in the bottle. You know hmm. it's, it's um, man, it, it's, it's magical. You know, so I, you know, I was I was fortunate that I, I follow follow my instinct, my gut, trusted it, and and, and definitely uh, you know, I stopped waiting. You, you know, know. <laughs> you know how hard it is to do that, for, especially with all that excitement, just to focus and trust yourself in that moment and write something. How how long did it take you to write that verse? That poem. Oh man, that, was, that literally was it was minutes. Like I said, I wrote that one line. I wrote the first line, and you know, we all here for a reason on a particular path. You don't need a curriculum. Know that you're part of that. And then my mind went blank, like nothing was wow. going like no. So I literally, I'm like banging on the page. I'm like, God, I need a piece right now. And when I put my hand back to the back to the page, it was like, man, however long it it takes to write those words out. You know, that's how, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep up. Like, the thoughts was flowing out, and I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm, my wow. hand is trying to keep up. You know, so I'm, I'm speed writing. And, wow. you know, so it was like, it was, it was minutes. And like I said, I, I wrote it, I read over it four or five times, and I called Cootie back in 10 minutes. And, wow. and, and, and may, it may, wow. may have been 12, 13 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, wow. it was, I called him right back. Like, all right, you just called me about getting on this record, listen to this. We all here for a reason on a particular path. You don't need a curriculum to know that you are part of the math. Cats think I'm delirious, but I'm so damn serious. That's why I expose my soul to the globe, the world. I'm trying to make it better for these little boys and girls. I'm not just another individual. My spirit is a part of this. That's why I get spiritual. But I get my hymns from him. So it's not me, it's he that's lyrical. I'm not a miracle. I'm a heaven-sent instrument. My rhythmic regiment navigates melodic notes for your soul and your mental. That's why I'm instrumental. Vibrations is what I'm into. Yeah, I need my luba rende. But that ain't what gives me the heart of Kunta Kinte. I'm trying to give us us free like Sinke. I can't stop. That's why I'm hot. Determination, dedication, motivation. I'm talking to you of my many inspirations. When I say that I can't let you yourself down. If I were on the highest cliff, on the highest rift, and you slipped off the side and clinched onto your life in my grip, I would never, ever let you down. And when these words are found, let it be known that God's membership has been signed with a language called love. That's why my breath is felt by the deaf, and why my words are heard and confined to the ears of the blind. I, too, dream in color and in rhyme. So I guess I'm one of a kind in a full house, because whenever I open my heart, my soul, or my mouth, a touch of God reigns out. Take him to church. You know, that's crazy. And, uh, 
because when I called them back, they were still, you know, they still listening to records. They, and, you know, they still listening to to Never Let Me Down. Mm. I was in the studio playing it for people, and you know, and then when I get there, you know, uh, Janet Jackson down the hallway recording, wow. Earth Wind and Fire down the hall recording, Maya Maya's across the hall recording, wow. you know. So uh, Pharrell was in and out the studio. So he, you know, whenever somebody would come to the studio, Kanye was, you know, this is him letting people know who he was so he playing music for everybody every opportunity he got you know wow you know you just you just struck on something even a little deeper you said in the moment you just took advantage of that moment and wrote that poem and you said it took you about 10 to 12 minutes and you called them back and they're still in the moment themselves so it's like wow that made that moment very powerful that's that's incredible so i've heard a lot of people when they when they hear that poem it's it influences so many people. Can can you talk about any examples of how that poem has touched people? Man, it's, it's touched people. Literally, people send me pictures with with the lyrics tattooed <laughs> on wow. their arms, you know. And and you know, people. I, I may I get videos. I just got a video. Um, this maybe last week. Well, I got two videos like within a week of each other of, of young kids who who I don't even think would. They may not even been born when that record came out, wow. or or were just you know just just been born because this was '04. So maybe they were just maybe they wanted to you know like mm-hmm. yeah I'm talking about some young guys they were like 12, 13, 14 years old and they're reciting a poem you know word for word and it's it's like it's just amazing to see like a whole new generation of folks who who know that piece. That's incredible. You know? I'm like that that I'm like that album came out. 2004 you know this 2016 and people are still talking about it and and and, and reciting it I, I went to a graduation a couple of years ago and eighth grade graduation and, and um one of my young guys he was he performed it at, at his graduation you know and it's oh wow you know yeah it's just it's amazing you know it's, it, and you never it just it just shows you like you never know the impact that you can have yeah you never know that's incredible so introspectively, what does your your art allow you to do? Man, it, it allows me to to be free. It allows me to create new worlds, uh, new art, new uh, new perspective. Um, it allow it, it it allows me to move around. Like it, I say ninety eight percent of the places I've been in the world have been because of poetry mm-hmm. has been because somebody wanted to bring me uh to speak or perform and you know so it 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 um man has provided me a career livelihood <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's um it, it's been everything you know it's 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 been a, a beautiful art that has treated me treated me so well and i'm I'm often amazed uh perplexed by it you know because you know it, it, and, and other people are too you know i run into folks and they're like ah oh, you know you get into a conversation like oh what, you know what do you do i'm like i'm a poet like oh okay yeah that's cool so what do you do I'm like i'm a poet <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i get that but what do you do for money and i'm like i write poetry you know and that, i know that's not it's not common it's, it's a handful of us out here mm-hmm. That are making you know good living is doing what they what they love to do with this with this art of poetry, um, and man, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and, and I mean, and 
you know, I'm a spiritual person and I see that you are too. I, I think that uh, the power that be picked the right person to be able to support themselves through poetry because your poetry has touched a lot of people. It's very positive and I, um, it's very universal and, um, and it's, it's good that you are the one that was chosen to do this. And um, um, when it comes to the book, I just the last question with the book is, what do you want us mainly to take away from this book? Um, again, you know, it's uh, it's it's really it's really about healing, you know. And for me, I always look at it as simple as simple as this: we're not here forever. You know, we're not we're not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So the time that we are blessed with, you know, why not spend it as happy as possible, right. and 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 not be weighed down by by the things that you can't control. What the the first chapter is, um, it, it is you know your past can kill your future, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we we harp on on the things behind us and and we forget to look ahead, or or the past clouds our vision. Um, and we can't see clearly. We we don't we don't trust ourselves, trust our instincts. We don't feel the worth or the confidence. So those those dreams or those ideas that that hit us, that spark our spirit, to, you know, we might not lunge at them because we don't trust that we'll be good enough to to complete it or to do it. So ultimately, you know, this is this is um it's it's a one. It's about finding that 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 uh rediscovering the self-love or love for self that, that is already there, rediscovering that greatness that's already there and using that greatness to to rebuild our communities and our families and, and so we can so we can just have better days, man. We're dealing with a lot out here. So if we can, you know, start with our with ourselves and our families and move outward from there, I think ultimately we will start to reshape the world and make it better. Well, I just want to let everyone know that it's an incredible book. Um, Thank you, man. You know, I think everybody can relate to it in some some way. Not only are you talking about your, yourself, you have some incredible poetry in that book as well. Um, it's it, it's it's an incredible book, absolutely. And, and now I would like to uh, talk about your album, Here I Am. Uh, just just a few questions in regards to that. I was wondering. What what are some of your favorite songs on that album? I, I know you can say all of them, but which one? <laughs> if someone had to, if you had to give someone the album and they only had a, maybe uh, ten minutes to listen to it, what would you tell them to listen to? Uh, I would I would have to say favorites would probably be between Shades and Blades, mm-hmm. uh, War, yeah, and. I love the, I love the 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 um the although it's only a minute the the, the here we are yeah. I always love that joint you know it's just you know I just love the 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 poetry I mean but but also you know like I love staying your lane you know <laughs> that the fact that uh that Abi Odun mm-hmm. of the last poets how yes. my little brother was like one of the most ultimate blessings now you got to talk about that how did that how did you get with him. So I've been knowing him for for a while now. I met him. Um, I first met him in the '90s, like late '90s, when uh, I had an opportunity to open up for the Last Poets in Chicago. 
wow. And then later when I moved to New York, uh, Abby Odun, he does something regularly at his at his home in Harlem where he has poets come through every Sunday and he'll cook up some, some salmon croquettes and, mm-hmm. and some potatoes and people come through and and just share their creativity, whether it's poetry or uh, song or, or, or you know, they rap, whatever it is, you know. So I've been building with him for, for years now and, and – and uh man, he blessed me, man. He blessed me with that and, and then he had me on his album that just came out last year. Oh, so yeah, so that's like, you know, that's Big Brother Almighty right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then you know, and then um uh Jessica Caremore who's mm-hmm. a, a legend, you know, mm-hmm. uh in the poetry game and, and Jesse Boykins. I love that record, uh I love the record you. Mm. Um, having that combination of you know of the poetry and song, so I mean it's it's it, it, there are a lot of favorites. You know I was I'm super critical and I, I wanted to put something um, something that I I would appreciate later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to put something together dope. You know cause yeah. I get super super critical. Like I got an album that I did before this one that I'm still putting out. Oh okay. Um, and that one that one's called Life After Life. So that one's mm-hmm. coming soon. That one. Is um, it's it's dope, you know. I just but putting the final pieces on it, you know. So yeah. I feel like you know that completion is there. Yeah. Well, well, don't wait too long because you wrote a classic in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. Huh? You know, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, um, well, just wondering, um, kind of wrapping up. What what else are you doing right now? But besides, uh, the 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 album is. What else is going on? So I actually have a an audio book for Dear Father that they're putting out we're putting out soon. So when I recorded the full the full album for the for the audio book lovers and I have an album that goes along with that called My Daddy's Records. So I have um the so a lot of the uh the poems that are in the book, I took them and created songs out of them. Okay. Uh so uh, getting ready to release that. I've been working uh steadily on on dear father letters but also uh my partner and my wife Tari Ture who's a, a phenomenal phenomenal singer she was actually she was all over the college dropout she was singing on she actually sang background on never let me down oh, her and John Legend was on that record too oh, wow. uh, a lot of people don't know that he's on yeah, there John yeah. uh John Legend Tari Ture and Tracy Spencer was singing singing the backgrounds on that. She sang on like four, she was singing on Family Business. and uh, we she got a great voice. Yeah, she's all over that album. Um, she did a song with John Legend called Live It Up. Um, so we've been working um, on her on her new album and it's, uh, it's phenomenal. So we're getting gearing up to release that. We just released, a, she just did a house track that I wrote on. So uh, look for that, it's called Marching On by Tari Jarek. And um, so working on her music and and just you know just new music and then also working on a new documentary about Ernie Barnes, which is uh, I'm, I'm super excited about that. And Ernie Barnes, for though everybody knows his work, but uh, they don't always remember his name. Right. But Ernie Barnes is uh, he's an artist. He was he was actually a friend and mentor of my, myself and Cootie and Chike's. But he's uh he was the artist who did all the paintings for JJ on Good Times. Oh, okay. So that's what a lot of people know him for, and and, and the painting, the Sugar Shack, which was Marvin Gaye's album mm-hmm. cover, mm-hmm. Uh, the I Want You album cover. 
but he's done like I mean he transformed the art world you know and and did a lot a lot for it like he's the official artist for the 84 Olympics and I mean he's done so much so we're working on a documentary about him right now that's, that's, incredible. that's incredible is there is there anything else you would like to share with us um I think that's it, man. I think we we, we covered. Yeah, you did you did a phenomenal <laughs> job. I mean, um, everybody, how how can people go about purchasing your book and your albums? Yeah, everything's available on my website. So you can go to j ivy dot com. Uh, just the letter J hyphen ivy dot com. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, Twitter and Instagram at j underscore ivy. Facebook is just j ivy. Um, but yeah, you can catch it on my site or you can catch it on dearfatherletters.com. You can get the book there as well. Okay. And are, are you also on Amazon and iTunes as well? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So everything's on yeah, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Spotify, Pandora. I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Outside>, West Side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing with us your phenomenal book, phenomenal book, Dear Father, and uh, talking about your album, Here I Am, and everything else you're working on, and just sharing what you've been through and, and touching so many people through spoken word. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. Well, it was an honor. Appreciate it. Thank yes, you. Sir. Thank you. All right. Bye. Peace. If you want to purchase the book or any of the music, I've included links in the show notes. Or you could just go to booksbeatsandbeyond.com. And, you know, what's cool is by clicking on the links, you support the guests, the music artists, and uh, we get a small commission, which is no extra cost to you, which we would then put toward the operations of this show. Um, and also, please click on the iTunes link to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And if you do this stuff already, just want to say thank you so much for your support. Remember, let's read, listen, explore. <laughs>